Hey everybody, John here. Just a little bonus episode this week. Colin and I had such a great conversation about sort of art and creation and, and skill acquisition and the and the frustrations that that involves that we decided to release it as a little mini episode. It's only about 10 minutes long, but please enjoy it and we'll see you next week. So I, I basically, I took all this time to recreate all of these different games Mm-hmm. Uh, using very, very simple black and white pixel graphics. Right. And, oh, and Tetris. Uh, yes, and, which was awesome. <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then I, I, so what, then what I did is I started mashing them together. Okay. So I would use the, the controls for Quop for you to then jump up and, and hit the breakout bricks or, uh, okay. What I'm what I'm working on right now is you actually play Burger Time inside of the Space Invaders tank. So you have to go climb up these ladders and jump over to platforms <laughs> in order to actually like hit all these buttons to get it to move right and left and nice. shoot and reload the gun and shoot that. So you you the interface for uh, Space Invaders is now a completely different game. Uh, that is awesome. It's a wonderful way to learn programming, yeah. and it's a really great way to learn about games and and uh, uh, just like how to make them and what are the discrete components that you can actually rearrange other than the aesthetics, which is right. and the story, which is every what everybody wants to do and think about. Right. Yeah, they want to jump into making things look pretty and everything, and then they're they're skipping over like the actual like fundamentals of like what games are and what they are made of. Yes. Um, interesting. That's super yeah. interesting. So uh, you're teaching. So, so your idea, I think your, your effort in your intro class is to, is to get them out of the clouds and into like, it, just as you would in an intro drawing class, you're probably gonna have a ton of people yes. with really codified style. You're getting them to say, okay, I know you all like know how to draw in a, you know, in an anime style or whatever style you love, but what I want you to do is take a piece of charcoal and put it on a piece of newsprint, and it's that effort, but for programming. Exactly right. We yeah. it's like it, it it's a lot of art students will come in with very strong in, instincts, and they know what they like, and yes. that which is great if you only want to do that one thing you're kind of good at over and over again without having to make a different decision. But right. if you want to be able to do lots of different things, you need to learn from lots of different places. And yes. it's very difficult to do that when you also you have to build up the vocabulary just so you know what you're looking at in the first place. And then and then like figuring out like how do how do you interrupt and intercede in those specific components instead of just, you know, the one thing that you're aware of and enjoy as a as a as a fan, as a gamer or whatever. Right, how right. do you then transition over to a person who makes these decisions on purpose at a granular level? Well, and just so I mean I, you know, you know, we're two middle midwestern men, so I'm going to do something really awkward and give you a compliment. Like this is what I've really enjoyed uh in your work, <laughs> seeing you go from isometric maps to the sort of high color uh frenetic expressionistic um early map crow stuff to the now very cool um shading like graphite stuff you're doing now and having all that variety is awesome i love it 
I, yeah, and that's I mean, part of that know, journey. Yeah, that's that's what I really think. It's just like, first of all, I get bored, and I I don't know how much of my art advice is just me explaining how to be ADHD like I am. Like I don't know. <laughs> I could just be making like here's here's how to here's how to ruin your brain like mine. Uh, uh, but I don't know any other way to think. So I you know I can only say what I can right. say. Uh, but the the thing that that I really think about is like, I want my artistic output to, to be defined by the things that I will try and not the things that I will not try. And, right. and I think as a practitioner, that is very important. At some point, you have to get used to being bad at things so that you can then get good at them. I think um, this is a big, we, we could have a whole podcast about this, but yeah, this is a whole, that and there's books about this. There's the book Grit. There's all this stuff. You know, setting the pop culture stuff aside and inventing our own pop culture theory. Um, this is something I really struggle with. And I think a lot of people struggle with, particularly if you are good at some things yeah. very naturally. When you go to learn new things that you are not naturally good at. It's, this is actually you and I were screwing around with the audio settings beforehand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I am so irritated right now because this kind of fiddly, um, you, you know, r- downloading random plugins off the internet and hoping they work and, you know, that kind of stuff is just not my thing. And, and I'm really trying to be patient with myself and learn it. Um, so we'll just, we're going to keep going. No, no quitting. Just yeah. delaying for a long time. <laughs> but also like the, the other thing. So the, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this whole, whole big game jam thing is we're entering the second half of this semester that I have for this programming class and the next two assignments are are going to be tough. And now I know exactly how tough it is. And I, you know, I would work, you know, eight, 10, 10 hour days on each of these little pieces of this larger project. So that gives me a more realistic expectation of what I'm actually asking out of my students. Mm-hmm. But it also kind of forces me to do what I tell my students to do all the time, which is make bad games. Finish a bad game. Don't get to the point where you become frustrated and then stop. Finish every little bit of that and then and then release it. Um, You have the ability. You have this glee in you. Like I think with the Tetris game that with like the floppy pieces, you were like, I made this one to make my brother crazy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it worked. Uh, uh, I yeah, I I, that kind of stuff. It's just like, like, keep keep these goals like, yeah, make make a game. That's a love letter. Make a game that is. Uh, yeah, like a just a little message to your best friend, yeah. as opposed to f- trying to make this big perfect thing that looks just like these corporate IPs that you know that you have you know full time people with seasoned you know it's just like you're never going to get to that point on your first try. So just right. like set set your sights at a realistic place and then finish making something, even if you know this is unsalvageably bad. <laughs> yes, which is hard. You know, you and I both have ADHD and it's hard yeah. for both of us to do that. And then also if you have if you have trouble like just taking it like I, I don't know how to program a computer. I've been in computer software design i've been a program uh, every time i try to learn i'm like oh this is killing me like it's just you know it's a it's i'm a bit late in life to acquire these skills but again i'm working on it i am this is actually one of my motivations i think i said this last time too for picking up the model building right like yeah i do find it fairly maddening fairly frequently but 
but I have to, but I do make a point of finishing sort of every crap model. Like I'm doing this, this German airplane from world war two and I, it's got, it's got mottling on it. Right. So I've got to do these little teeny tiny shapes with my airbrush with a teeny tiny, and it's like, it's not very good. Right. Like you, you watch a pro do it and I'm like, that's, I'm not that good, but I'm, I'm finishing this stupid airplane. Right. <laughs> Even if the modeling's terrible because my modeling from the first dot to the last one got way better. So you know what I mean? So it's just you know. Exactly. And and that is that is the practice that we have to get in. And it's just like, you know, I think this absolutely goes into GMing advice. I think this goes into adventure writing, you know, because like all of this is about skills acquisitions uh, for stuff that you probably encountered first as as a as a as a participant rather than a practitioner of the craft, you know? Yeah, Um, I've just I've just had a thought um, and, and you and I have talked about this, but it just two things came together for me when when you and I first started playing these games. There were no models like yeah. like the the what I always say, the thing I always say is like the great thing about RPGs is you you don't have to write a novel. You can just tell a story with your friends. You get that same sort of emotional satisfaction and pride without having to work alone. You know what I mean? But now there are professionals who create and publish the playing of RPGs. Yeah. And I wonder how much and I think that creates a huge barrier for people that like like I knew it was a barrier for people, but I guess I didn't realize like in the same way that looking at a great drawing can be a barrier for somebody learning how to draw, looking at a great actual play can be a barrier for somebody wanting to GM. And I guess that yeah. never really came home to me until we just put all these pieces together. Yeah, and and more than that, it's it's something this is something I think about also, it's just like, you know, I started running RPGs when I was in middle school yeah. uh, and there were no expectations. We were we were being like zany. We were playing a, a, a famously broken game to begin with. You were you were so, doing Lord of the Rings inside of Dragon Ball Z. I will never forget yeah. <laughs> this. It's, that's pure genius. I mean, come on. It was a great time. Uh, uh, systems matter. My uh, <laughs> you have to bleep that. Yes. Uh, uh, But yeah, you know, it it was, and it's kind of like this whole thing kind of with this, this project that I've been working on in spring break for programming is like, a student asked me, how am I supposed to know about all the game mechanics, which is a reasonable, you know, if, if somewhat novice question, right? Is, is it's kind of like it's kind of like a painter asking how am I supposed to know about all the all the important painters or all the important techniques? It's like well, you that is the quest of your whole life, right? But also, I have a, a specific advantage in game design in that I I kind of was around for most of its infancy, right? right. Like you know, like I I played arcades from the seventies in my childhood, and I got to watch. Nintendo go from the NES through the Super Nintendo through the you know Nintendo 64 GameCube Wii Wii U now the Switch right yes. like that is I I just understand how these things have gotten more complicated and sophisticated and combined all of these components that I was familiar with on a basically instinctual level at this point right but but when you are playing these highly polished you know multi-million dollar seven-year corporate games 
you can't necessarily separate all of these different components anymore. And I feel like it's probably the same way with, you know, a lot of people talk about the Matt Mercer effect. I actually yeah. think, I think more, more realistically, it, it should be called the Laura Bailey effect because yeah, it's, I'm not familiar it's, with it's actually role, the so. other performers that are setting the high uh, bar. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it is. I think it's the players that are playing a very. I think Matt Mercer is running Dungeons and Dragons. I think the yeah. other players are really doing something that is that is remarkably different. I don't. I don't think Matt Mercer is doing that. He's doing more voice acting than normal. But other than that, he's kind of running a normal game of of D anD D. Right. Right. But the the amount of of performance that the other players do, I think, are kind of. Creating this sense is just like yeah, I've noticed. I've noticed players who have a strong connection with those actual plays will get when they aren't getting that level of performance or control over the um, the the narrative outcome of the story. They get really frustrated. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, and it, it's so, because yeah, they're they're thinking about like that. That is that is a very specific thing for those people, as opposed to this is the normal thing, and this is how I should feel as a player with different players. You know. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm, you know, I wonder if uh, if I were in that circumstance, would I have gotten into this hobby? Because I think I got into it because it was a way to be creative without all of these intimidating examples, yeah. without yeah. trying to make a movie or write a book or like all these things that I couldn't achieve as a kid, but I could achieve this. I could achieve having a silly time with my friends and killing a bunch of goblins, you know, like, yeah. and, and telling a little story. So, all right. Anyway, interesting. That's uh, some cut bitlets right there. Yeah, no, that's, that's a whole, that's a whole mini stone. That's not, a, I know uh, I actually okay. might do that. Yeah. We'll have to see how it goes. Thank you.